All right, welcome back to the long overdue latest episode of the Big Blue UK and Ireland podcast. This week we are 75% British, 25% Irish, but still 100% Giants. I'm your host, Dan Ayler, alongside my co-host, Shane Whitehouse and Kev McManus. And as I mentioned in our previous edition, we're joined by Keith Burton again to talk through the receivers and Titans currently on the roster. How are you guys? Yeah, not, not too bad. Long overdue, as you say. It's good to talk again. Very much long overdue. Yeah, it's great to talk to you and it's great to see your faces again. Kev, how are you yeah, it's good to see you boys again. Uh, I'm struggling, lads. I will tell you now, right? The last two weeks have been an absolute nightmare for me. I've tried to move house and it nearly fell through in the last minute. We finally got into the house and I'm stuck here now until the 12th of July with no Wi-Fi, no TV, nothing. I'm here on my phone praying the signal holds up on my 3G, not 4G, on my 3G. So fingers crossed for this episode. Uh, this is the most underprepared I've been, so do I do apologise. You're back in 2010 if you've only got 3G, mate. <laughs> <laughs> That's mad. What did you move to? The sticks or something? Not quite, but... Uh, <laughs> not not close enough to town to get 4G, no? Do you know what? I, I, it's my phone company. I'm having issues with them. I won't name and shame them, but uh, yeah, only 3G works. The 4G doesn't quite work anywhere. Oh, I won't name and shame them. Okay. <laughs> okay. Get you. For those listening at home, Kev is doing a mime. Yeah. <laughs> I do mind. mime Vodafone. Yeah. <laughs> it's not them, by the way. <laughs> it's not Vodafone. Um, welcome back, Keith. Like I said, it's great to have you back with us again. Um, and secondly, our sincerest apologies for the delay in getting this episode out to you. It's been a busy time for us all with covid restrictions being more relaxed and the euros going on amongst other things as kev said him moving house um so andy we sorry mate here's your episode um but we are looking forward to getting stuck into receivers and tight ends before we do uh, we're going to take a quick look through the latest news that's come out from stateside um starting off with future hall of fame Eli Manning returning to the New York Giants, uh, taking a position in business operations and fan engagement following a year off after retiring in 2019. It was also announced that his famous number 10 jersey will be the next blue jersey to be retired and he'll become the 43rd member of the Giants' Ring of Honor at a halftime ceremony when we host the Atlanta Falcons on September 26th. Uh, it's great to see him back at MetLife. Uh, what do you guys think? Yeah, I think, um, as you say, no surprise he's, he's going to get his jersey retired and he's getting into the Giants' ring of honour. Um, and like for me, as I, I've not been a Giants fan as long as you three and other listeners on here, so I didn't really get to see much of Eli, especially not in his prime since I've been a Giants fan. Um, but he's great to see he's back as part of the organisation in one form or another. Um, I think that can only benefit him. Yeah, I think... Um... He was always going to come back in some capacity. We've talked about it in other podcasts. Um, you know, once a giant, always a giant, only a giant. You know, he um, he was always going to uh, have some role within the club. Um, it's good that it's a role that might not take up too much of his time, you know, but he's still, you know, the fan engagement I'm really encouraged with. Um, but yeah, it's just, you know, he couldn't stay away too long, could he? A year is long yeah. enough. Yeah, I mean, looking through the duties and the, the, the responsibilities he's given, I think Kev's hit it on the head. It's not really going to take up too much of his time. He's still going to make, be able to make his TV shows. He's still going to spend time with his family. It, it, it's not a ceremonial role, 
but it almost seems as though it's, it's probably John Mara shuffling off some of the responsibilities of, of meeting big clients and shaking hands and, and, you know, shuffle that off onto Eli because, you know, sponsored would much rather meet Eli than, than meet John Mara. Yeah, um, I think right. it would work out great for, for both of them and still give Eli the time to, to, to enjoy his life. Yeah, who better to do it than, uh, I'd say, a future Hall of Famer? Um, yeah, it's good to see him back. Um, it's nice to have him back in the organisation. Um, and, you know, talking to saying, um, from Shane saying he hasn't seen much of him in his prime. In his prime, he was arguably um, elite, as he as he liked, as he likes to say. Um, just in, in in the fourth quarter, he, he was clutch, and he, he won us so many games from from positions where we were behind in a game. Um, and he look at did two playoff runs, two runs to the Super Bowl, two victories. So he's done a huge amount for our organisation, and I'm glad to have him back. Particularly in in the playoff runs, yeah. You know, particularly in the playoff games, he he was not a passenger. He both of those seasons, both of those Super Bowls, he put the team on his back during the playoff runs and, and just dragged them there. And in some cases, it, it was a team, it was a ragtag team. Um, yeah, it wasn't. And, team and he put. Yeah, and, and he he, it's, we. I mean, I remember us being called Road Warriors in 2011 because it was like the Giants were just on the road every game and winning every flipping game. Yep. And I have to think that I actually think his best game was the 49ers game, where he absolutely got hammered into the ground on that 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 you know it's the grass you know it's the, it's the proper turf. Um, the rain is sheeting down. It's a hostile crowd. It's a hostile environment, and he's getting pounded into the ground. And he just keeps getting up, and he gets up with bits of mud sticking at the top of his helmet, and he just picks yeah, himself up and dusts himself off, and his... just throws another ball. Yeah, yeah. Um, got the grass in his visor. Yeah, that may have been the toughest game of that entire playoff run, including the Super Bowl. Well, yeah, it's, uh, not the Forty ers were were favourites that game, weren't they? Yeah. Like a lot of people say, like, um, um, like the Giants won those Super Bowls, like, because of Eli, not in spite of him. And also, like, I think, um, uh, Bucky Brooks and Daniel Jeremiah like to use the term truck and trailer. He was very much the truck in both of those Super Bowl wins, absolutely, absolutely. That brings us nicely, actually, on to uh, 2011 Super Bowl 46. Um, because the team announced that it's going to be having a season long celebration of a 10 year anniversary of Super Bowl 46. Uh, including some limited edition merchandise, which I've had a look at, and uh, the t-shirts are quite cool. Uh, the jacket is rather pricey, but pretty cool nonetheless. Um, there's going to be a new eight episode, uh, eight episode. I think it's podcast series has got eight episodes in it, um, titled "All in NYG," uh, featuring guests Eli Manning, Victor Cruz, Justin Tuck, Antro Roll, um, plus additional programming across Giants media platforms as well. Um, and as well as this uh, reunion weekend with the team honoured during a half-time ceremony uh, against the LA Rams on October 17th. So really looking forward to all of that, guys. Um, what about you? I'm really looking forward to it as well. I, so I, I, I don't mean to interrupt or jump in, but I saw yesterday an absolutely fantastic anecdote from that season uh, from Steve Weatherford, um, who was was... Yeah, was famed for his fitness and famed for his physique. And he never, ever was able to beat Tom Coughlin into the weight room. 
You know, Steve Weather would always get to the building first, get into the weight room to get get some more reps in. And he'd always find Tom Coughlin in there. And it's now 10 years later, and he actually, while they were reminiscing about it, it, how long did you spend in the weight room? Because you were always in there before me. And Tom Coughlin sort of confided in him and said, you know what, my office overlooks the car park. Every time I saw you pull in, I just went downstairs. <laughs> Brilliant. Absolutely. And it just highlights, I think, that, that Coughlin, as much as he was a disciplinarian and a sergeant major, he really did also change his approach to his players and became much more of a kind of friendly grandfather to them and much more of a fun kind of person to be around. And that's when those great teams and Tom Coughlin really bought into each other. Yeah, he was famed for sort of barking his orders at people. Look at, I mean, the 07 NFC title game in uh, Green Bay with his red nose and his red cheeks. He's barking orders and shouting and screaming. That was the one side of him. But then the other side of him we didn't see too much was the uh, the friendly sort of hand-on-the-shoulder guy that towards the end of the career sort of came out a bit more. Um, and yeah, that definitely sort of helped players feel more sort of part of a team. So that team's maybe brought that team spirit in rather than it being sort of head coach and everyone else. It's sort of every, they all came together. Absolutely. Yeah, really looking forward to what they've uh, what they've got planned for the tenth anniversary. Like I said check out the merch on giants.com. Some of it's pretty cool. Um, and lastly in the news, uh, it's not giants related, um, but just take a moment to congratulate and give a huge amount of respect on behalf of us all here at Big Blue UK and Ireland um, to Ryan the Sea with the Las Vegas Raiders. Las Vegas Raiders. Um, last week came out as the first act, first gay active player in the NFL um, and I think it's a huge moment in the sport that we all love so much so kudos to you Ryan uh, congratulations to you uh, and I wish nothing but the best for you mate yeah and the sport in general absolutely yeah I'm just going to add like hopefully in the nicest possible way any more that could make hopefully it's not going to be headline news in the sense because it's just accepted and it doesn't need to be headline news whenever the next one, two, ten, twenty come out, etc. Completely. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. Um yeah, it's great news to be honest. For all like like he said, all sports, um, you know, the the, the odds say that there there's a lot more um, game men out there and, and football teams and all sports. Um hopefully this will make um will help a few more feel more comfortable to um to to let the world know and express themselves, even though, you know, it makes absolutely no difference whatsoever. Um, but hopefully also like young kids aspiring to be footballers might think, you know, can't really play football, but, you know, because of who I am. Now they can go, do you know what? Yes, I can. I can go out there. I can beat the rest of them. So yeah, it's great news to be honest. 100%. Well, that's a great point, Kev, actually. Role, absolute role model to kids. So actually, you know what? Yeah, I can go out there and play football if I want to play football. Um, no matter who you are, no matter what belief what beliefs you have, no matter what your sexuality is, if you want to play football, go out there and play football. Now, the first of our two positions we're going to cover on this episode, that's wide receiver. Uh, currently, we have 12 receivers on the roster. Um, I won't name them all because some of them you've probably not heard of. Um, main ones being Kelvin Benjamin, CJ Boards, Kenny Golladay, um, John Ross, Sterling Shepard, Darius Slate and Kadiris Tony, you know, to name them. Uh, Kelvin Benjamin being the oldest at 30 he officially is on the roster as a wide receiver but obviously he tried out a tight end um, and Kadarius Tony, the youngest at 22 was obviously no surprise and he's a rookie um, we've got a pretty young group of receivers uh, currently on the roster not a young, not just a young group but a 
pretty exciting group as well. Um, obviously, Kenny Golliday, John Ross, and Tony just added to the roster this off season, as we've discussed. Um, and, but comparing this roster to last year, um, it's night and day, really. Which is the better receiver group, don't you think? See, for me, I think you can flip a coin as to which side of the side you want to look at this from. You can look at it from the side that we're better than the wide receiver group on paper looks better than last year. It's more exciting. We've got a little bit more speed. But then I think the flip side of the argument is you've got Kenny Golladay coming off an injury, Sterling Shepard, who's had injury problems, Darius Slayton, who couldn't cut it as a number one last year, John Ross, who's got injury problems, Dante Pettis has had injury problems, Kadarius Tony new into the league, so you don't want to get putting too much on him straight away. So I think it depends what side of the fence you want to sit on in regards to the wide receiver group. If you look at it sort of sitting on the fence kind of thing, not with a joints, not with joints glasses on. <laughs> and Kev's just pulling a face and I'll always wear Giants glasses you know <laughs> you boys know me I always wear Giants glasses those tinted blue is beautiful like um, it's no question we're better no question at all we're better um, I think but I do I kind of get what Shane is saying though like um, there are certain concerns with sort of certain like injury and, and, and youth and stuff like that um, but yeah we've I mean like, like we said in previous podcasts we, we've done we've got a wide receiver group now almost like a basketball team so we've got the the, the tall power forward like you know in your Kenny Golladay you can go up and grab the ball pull it down um, you know you've got your uh, playmaker point guard type in Sterling Shepard who's the awesome right runner might not be the fastest um, then you've got the, your speedsters like Slayton John Ross you know and Tony's after the catch is unbelievable so I think I think we've built a lot of variety. We can use them in a lot of different ways. Uh, yes, they are young. Um, there's a couple of interesting players on the bubble um, of of making the 53 who who could impact. And I'd be I'd be kind of scared as well because there's the type of players we'll get up gone to in a minute once you talk about the big boys who I can see if we cut someone picking them up and then being really good. Um, but if you look at the the, the the main four, say for example, guaranteed the roster, you got uh, Golladay. Rookie Tony, Shepard, uh, Slayton. Um, so so I think that's a good mix, good variety. Um, and all could be wide receivers, one wide receiver, minimum wide receiver two, in my opinion. Yeah, I am going to put my Giants glasses on because uh, I think it's unquestionably a better group than it was last year. Um, I'm worried about Shep's durability. Um, Darius Slayton, I think he did well the year before, but last year because he was a shock. But I think last year a lot of defenses, a lot of um, a lot of coaches were ready for him, so he wasn't a shock. So he had the same amount of receiving yards, but and the same amount of receptions, more or less. But he just didn't make as many as much of an impact. I think he wasn't a surprise last year. This year we have added some some weapons, and I think I understand what you say about the, the you know, a lot of them are coming off injuries. But I also believe in what Bill Parcells said uh, in sport as in life. You are what your record says you are. And some of these players that have come in with a, with an injury, it was they've not been on the decline. They've just they had an injury last season, which which harmed their uh, production. But actually, a lot of them, if you look at them at the seasons beforehand, actually they were pretty durable. They were playing a lot of games. They were getting a lot of receptions, and they were putting up a lot of yards and and, and getting touchdowns. So 
you know, I, I know a lot of people think we, we oh, we've just gone to the bargain bin here and we've just picked up injury prone players and players that are starting to fade. But I don't necessarily think that's true. I think we've been actually quite canny and we've picked up players that have been discarded because, you know, they've, they've, they've had an injury. They, they're quite a high uh, wage bill for the team that they're on. And I think we've been able to snap them up because as, as Kev's gone into on his cap corner in previous episodes, we've been very, very careful and very, very clever in how we've structured, um, you know, their wages over the next few years. Yeah, and I think um, I'd, 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 with the with the moves we've made and the, the receivers we've got on the roster, I think maybe the pressure might be off Darius Slayton a little bit this year in comparison to what it was like last year because we all expected him to have to go out and improve on the previous year, on previous uh, improve on 2019. Um, so maybe the pressure going to be off him a little bit. And bringing in, I mean, I think one one pickup that's gone quite under the radar really is John Ross. Yeah, he's had his injury his injury problems, but I mean, well, he's a first he was a first round pick by Cincinnati, wasn't he? So he's yeah. obviously got the talent there, and he's got he's got the speed that's for sure. Um, so I think he's kind of gone under the radar a bit, and he's sort of there's no there doesn't really seem to be any pressure on him to perform. Obviously, the pressure seems to be on Tony because he's you know a first round draft pick, and the pressure's on Kenny Galladay because he's our number one receiver. So maybe the maybe John Rosser will uh, make uh, make a few plays and surprise some people as well. Kenny Galladay, yeah, oh, sorry, sorry. No, I was just going to say, I think John Ross had a few suitors as well who were after him. And I believe they were offering him a little bit more money than we offered. Um, but I think he, he saw, um, as bought in to Joe Judge and uh, the, the Giants culture now going forward. And um, and obviously seeing that there was a need there as well. So um, so, so he, and he's got something to prove as, as, a, as, an, as an expert round player who, who didn't see a second, co- a, a big second contract. Like, like, um, First round players should see, um, so um, so I think he's going to he's got a chip in the shoulder. I think absolutely. I was going to mention Kenny Holiday as well. Uh, I think he's a player that underlines exactly what I was talking about. If you look at the last four seasons, which I'm, I'll put the numbers up here in front of me, um, in from 2017 to 2019, eleven games, fifteen games, sixteen games. You know, then last season, five games. I mean, until I see otherwise, I'm just presuming last season he had an injury. There's no sign of him starting to fade there. It's just he had an injury. He could only play five games. If he rebounds to anything like uh, the form that he showed in 18 or 19, you know, we're looking at we're looking at a player that's going to go over a thousand yards. Let's hope so. Um, yeah, it's, a, be... it's a very good point. Like you know, players um, players are injury injury prone for want of a better term when they're injured multiple years and it's like something there's always something like some people say ingram was a little injury prone in his beginning of his career with us like he only played 16 games for the first time last season yeah. but um but Golladay, i think you know if he's if he's injured if he gets injured again this year he's out this season then you might start talking about okay he might have issue with injuries but like he said until he proves otherwise you know last year was just a one-off he, every player gets injured in this game um you know, he is that big outside target that we've been crying out for. Um, and I'm excited to see him play. It's the same with Dante Pettis. You know, 12 games, 11 games last year, seven games. You yeah, know, it's, it's, we shouldn't necessarily presume that someone just, they, they play less games, it necessarily means they're fading away. 
It can just. I mean, last season was also very strange. No preseason. Um, that, you know, that, that, that's got to amend players taking to the field when they're not properly game ready. Yeah, and I think the fact that we didn't have a preseason last year, no team had a preseason last year. I think that get again that gets overlooked. The fact yeah. that preseason is when you get your strength and conditioning in, and mm. players didn't have that. Players had to work out on their own at home, and they didn't have that strength and conditioning coach there, so they weren't at that peak, they weren't at peak fitness when they came to the season, and that's why a lot of players actually got injured, is because they're, See, Pet- they're... Pettis is another one 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 of the ones I alluded to before. I think if he doesn't make our roster, he'll make someone else. Yeah, I think he will. He'll make someone else. He'll make this for us at the end of last year. Yeah, so another think... reason why I'm very um, optimistic about the coming season because we had to do all our preseason and preseason games during the season. So preseason preparation and preseason games were happening live at the beginning of the season. I'm kind of quite impressed by the fact that as the season went on, we got better and better and better and better. You know. Yeah. You could you could kind of tell the first few games the 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 rhythm wasn't there the the communication wasn't there and it was the same for a lot of other teams as well. Um, it just took a little bit of time playing with each other, especially bringing in you know playing new players that came in. It took a little bit of time. You know we've spoken about Andrew Thomas before the fact that he didn't have a great start to the season. Well, he's a rookie coming into a new team. He's not not had a preseason. He's going to struggle. But I think his his talent was so obvious to see that they were like, we're going to put him in regardless, regardless of the fact that he's never had a preseason, never played with these guys before. Um, so, yeah, I think the fact that we had no preseason does kind of go a bit under the radar, a bit unnoticed. I liked how Kev described them almost as a basketball team. You, you've got a, a variety of players that have different strengths and they all complement each other. Um, and I think Tony slots into that argument as well, no pun intended. Um I remember when Joe Judge joined us, one of the first things he said was, don't tell me what a player can't do, tell me what he can do. And if you look at, at Kadarius Tony's history and his draft profile, it's all about how adaptable he is, about the different things that he can do, the different positions he's played in college. Um, you know, he's not just an out and out, this is just a slot receiver type guy. I think he's someone who, yeah, okay, he, he could have been brought in just because if Shep goes down, it could be the end for Shep completely with a, you know, with another concussion. So Kadarius Tony's a ready-made replacement, but I also think Tony's a guy that can line up all over the field, including the backfield, including yeah. the backfield. Yeah, very, very strong and very aggressive player from what I'm from what I'm reading and from what I've seen. You know, he's he's he he will not stop his run until somebody stops him. Yeah, which is good. So, what what actual impact do you think he's going to have on the team? Do you think he's going to have an impact? Off straight off the bat, or do you think it's going to take him a few weeks to get? I think he might start as the punt returner. You know, I mean, it's something that he excelled in in college. Um, it's also going to help, you know, endear him to the locker room, you know, and endear him to the crowd. I mean, if 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 some of the crowd are not quite sure whether we should have taken him, the first time he you know he he catches the ball and runs it back 40, 50 yards, everyone's going to go, okay, yeah, all right, this guy's a, this guy's the real deal let alone takes one to the house, you know, let alone like runs one in for a touchdown. He's well, a legend straight away. Hope, but that hasn't happened for a while. <laughs> no. We're due uh, It's, a, it's yeah, the NFL. Due. Anything can happen. I think for me as well, just coming away from the big name guys, I think two that are on the bubble looking in, technically, um, is Austin Mack and David Sills. Um, 
it wouldn't surprise me if one of them made the roster instead of a Pettis or maybe even a John Ross. Um, you know, David Sills apparently last year in training camp looked pretty damn good. He's looking good this year coming back off his injury. I think he ended up on IR for all of last year after he fractured his foot. Um, Austin Mack as well, he's another one who I think is, you know, they they two guys who, like Kev said, if they got cut tomorrow, they would end up on another roster, hands down. Uh, Austin Mack had seven catches for 91 yards last season on 11 targets and he got five first downs. You know, that's the kind of player that can work his way into a, into a roster spot by showing that he can get that first down. So Austin McDavid sills two names, in my opinion, not to sleep on. And don't be surprised if one of them was to get in ahead of, um, like I say, a petty sort of Ross. I'd love both of them to make it, unless they're just carrying eight wide receivers, which they're not going to do. Neither of them, are, not, not both of them will get on the roster. I'd agree to be honest. Austin Mack, especially, I think he's got a he's got a real chance. I, I I think I think John Ross would absolutely have to crap the bed not not to not to make um, not to make the roster. But um, yeah, Austin Mack is is I agree. Yeah, I think there's great like competition that between John Ross, Pettis, Sills, Mack. Um, I think that that like when have we ever had competition um, good competition that deep in our wide receiving core? Um, I mean, like, and they're all young, like Ross is 25, Sills is 25, Pettis is 25, Mac was an undrafted uh, rookie last year, only 24. Um, so they're all young and hungry and they really want to make this roster. So I think that's only going to make each other better, the competition. Um, so I can see us having a really deep wide receiver group next year. And you, you've also got people in the room like Kenny Golladay, who's been there and done it for nigh on a decade. Who you know, for all we know, is has been also been brought in because he he's he wants to be a leader in that wide receivers room. You know, he wants to be a leader in the locker room. I mean, again, we'll come to the tight ends, but I think a big a big plus of someone like Kyle Rudolph in the locker room and Kyle Rudolph in the tight ends room is experience and leadership. Yeah, yeah, yeah well, we'll one thing I know. So I was going to say, we'll add, we said about Galladay there. Was he a? third or a fourth rounder, I think, off memory. So, you know, he's someone who can say to people like Mac and Sills, you, you know, it doesn't. you don't have to be a first round to be, let, let's call Galladay what he's going to be, a wide receiver one, who's being paid like a wide receiver one. So, you know, he, like you say, he's got that experience. He can take them guys to one side and say, look, you don't have to be a first round, a top 10 pick to end up being a wide receiver one, earning the money that I'm earning, you know, through grit, determination, dedication, you can get to where I am. Yep. Who were the guys that made the headline catches in our two Super Bowl wins, or our two recent Super Bowl wins? They, they were guys that that the casual fan probably didn't hadn't even heard of. Yeah, exactly. And I think like one of the reasons why I like the Goldie sign as well is because he has um, he he seems all business. Like he doesn't, you know, he he'll have the nice photos on Instagram every now and again and all that type of stuff. Like, but he, he when he talks, he talks football, and he has that little bit of like dogging him but like in a good way not like a nasty player but like someone who likes the grit and determination like um so that's why i think he's been a great signing for us and definitely a joe judge kind of guy do, do you know what he kind of reminds me of kev a little bit he reminds me of antrell roll yes a guy that came in with a with a reputation but actually kind of although he initially clashed with coughlin ultimately became one of his key lieutenants and one of the yeah, guys definitely. on the field that, that he i mean he was yeah, he was a dog, wasn't he? I mean, he he, yeah. he really was just full of dog. I mean, he would just fight and fight and fight and would not give in. 
And players like him were the life and soul of that team 10 years ago. You know, that, that you might be more skilled than the Giants, but you damn well were not going to fight as hard as they were. Yeah, exactly. And then I'm hoping that's sort of the mentality and the, the, the team that we've got going forward as well. Yeah, I think I think Galladay's got something to prove. Maybe that he can do things on a better team. You know, maybe it's not just all about him. Maybe having a, a, a group of receivers that are are pretty good, he can sort of lead that group and and lead us to a, a winning season and potentially a, a playoff appearance. I think he's he's got some maybe something to prove as well. Yeah, I mean, good he's point. Been, he's, he's been in he's been in Detroit the whole time. He's had Matt, he's had the same quarterback Matt Stafford. You know he's he's done bloody well. Let's face it. But new team, maybe are we going to see a, uh, maybe a little bit something different from Kenny Galladay compared to what we've always seen? And and I'm hoping the depth depth of the wide receiver uh, room as well. Once we get to the 53 man roster, will, will mean that we rotate quite a bit as well. Like so, so players like um, Shepard, Slate, and Tony and stuff don't see too many reps. Do you know what I mean they don't get burnt out? They get rotated in and out um, a lot, and, and a lot of the um, sort of like fifth, sixth receivers see a lot of game time as well, and that can only help with injuries. Yeah, it's tough to game plan for as well. You know, if you if you don't know the weapons that the Giants are going to be putting out, you know, you don't just go, well, that's the number one receiver. Let's just put the best corner on him. That's the number two, and that's their slot receiver. You know, it's um yeah, if if we if we can go wide receiver by committee, I know that's normally applied to running backs, but wide receiver by committee, that's gonna be really difficult to play against. And you're right, Kev, keep players fresh and fit. Don't be surprised to see Galladay in the slot and then maybe Tony or Shepherd out wide, you know, these type of things. Yeah, and Tony coming from the backfield. Yeah, I hope I hope they mix up the playbook and and you know, and and, and catch teams out. Um, you know, well, they've got enough ingredients now. That's what all this is about, isn't it? This is all about um, giving 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 the chef more ingredients to cook with. Because last season, all you know, all he had was a turnip and an oxo cube. Now he's got a lot more ingredients to do something with. Yeah. So, what do you think about Sterling Shepherd? Do you think this will be his last year? Oh, I do. Yeah. Unless <laughs> yeah. It's... I was waiting for Shane there. <laughs> no, I was just say, I think it is. Unless he takes a. Contract, uh, team friendly, uh, contract readjustments or something, but I can't. Yeah, I, can't, for, I think for the money he's earning next year, he, he's not going to be. He's potentially not going to be worth it if the other pieces work out. And I, I love Shep. I think Shep's brilliant. Like, you know, he's he's been on the roster since I started following the Giants, and he's the one player that I absolutely love. He's again, he's one of them hardworking. He, he doesn't go down easy on contact. He loves a, he loves to engage with blockers, with tacklers, and like you know, I've got massive respect for Shepard, even if he has to change his number to number three. I was going, I was just about to say, <laughs> I actually think he looks rather good in number three. I think he looks great on him. He does, but I got, I got to stick by my principles. <laughs> yeah, fair one. Yeah, I was Kev. just going to say that. Um, I think, I think, I think he's, I think he's going to play out this year. I think he's going to play very well. Because I'm telling you, he's not changing to three for one season. I'm telling you, he'll want to rock that three in New York for a couple of years. So, um, so he's got a few more years in him, and so I think he will. He will, will have the ball. He'll just have a really bad season if he was, if you know, for, for us to cut him. I, I, I think he's going to prove that he's uh, one of the top receivers in this league. He wants to go ahead and show that. So, I really hope he does. 
I really, really. My do. only concern is his health. I have to say, I don't, I don't think, I don't think he he will want to retire, and I'm sure the team will want to keep him. But concussions are a, are a bad business, and there might come a point where team doctor or his, you know, he, he's he's a he's now a married man with a young child. There might come a point where the team doctor or his wife just says, "Look, we've got enough money to last us a lifetime. Now you don't need to do this anymore." Yeah, you know, and a lot of players have done it recently in the last couple of years, haven't they? Yeah, um, you know, players in their in their prime. I mean, look at Andrew Luck. In it, pretty much in his prime of his career, sort of, and he just packs it in because it's not worth the risk of his health. He's got bigger, to be fair, I will, bigger things to worry about. I will, I will say, if he's not on the team, I don't think they're going to be cutting him because he's not good enough. Still, I, I, I still think he will be good enough. It's just going to be a case of look. We need you to renegotiate. We've already said we're tight on cap space next year as it is. We need to renegotiate your contract. If you can't, unfortunately, you're going to force our hand. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I, I can think... see something getting worked out between the team and the player to keep them there. Yeah. Yeah, he strikes me the sort of person who would be happy with that as well. I mean, I don't know him, but just the way he comes across he, in interviews. He and He doesn't strike me as the type of player that's, that's going to want to get as much money as he possibly can. Rock the bolts. He's not that type. No. He's also, unless I miss my guess, isn't he now the Giants' longest-serving player? Yep. You know, so again, I mean, he he may actually take like a captain's role or a leadership role. Yeah, wouldn't surprise me. With such a turnover on offense, such a turnover in the wide receivers' room, he might be. He might think, okay, well, here's an extra contribution I can make. You Just know, let's 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 step up. I mean, he's always struck me as someone who's very level-headed. He's not an Odell. He's, he's, he doesn't go kicking, kicking nets. and um, You know, he just seems to be a guy who just comes in and gets on with his job. Yeah, sort of does, doesn't make a sing, song and dance of it, just sort of in the background, quietly gets on with it. And, you know, there we go. Um, so, with all the weapons at his disposal, do you think Daniel James is actually going to go and prove himself this year? Yes. Yes. Good. Come on, Shane. <laughs> it's like I said before, everything's got to work out. Wide receivers have got to stay on the field, stay fit. O-line's got to protect him more than anything else, keep him upright, give him the time in the pocket that he needs. And I, I see no reason why not if those things do work out. Um, but, you know, we're not, we're not got too long to find out, really. No. He was never good at rapid, rapid fire or Shane, was he? I, I looked at some his... of the numbers and, and, and he's I looked at some of the numbers for Daniel Jones and he's yeah, he's under pressure more than almost any other quarterback was last season. And so I I know we've been saying this for literally ten years, but it really is all about that O line. And I, this time I'm very confident about the O line because one, they did start to get better and better and better last season. It's a very young unit. But I also think it's really significant that we didn't go out and use a high draft pick to pick any lineman in the draft. That, to me, says the team and the coaching staff are happy that we didn't pick anyone up. And also, I think the return of Ray Flaherty, you know, Tom Coughlin's O-line coach, I think he, he might have had a chance, something to do with that. I think he may well have looked at those players and gone, you don't need to draft something. You know, Jenny's a draft someone. I can do something with these guys. Hopefully. It's the one. It's the one big question mark on this team, isn't it? I think is the offensive line. Yeah, but if if they can keep Daniel Jones protected and upright, then what is it? I mean, PFF said he's the best 
deep ball passer in the league. Yeah. Yeah, he, uh, where was it? And he's now going to have players that can stretch the field for him. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. And he's going to have red zone targets as well. He was a top deep passer in the league last year. Passes over 20 yards. He was 19 of 39 for 636 yards and five touchdowns with no interceptions. And that's, he wasn't throwing to players of the calibre of Kyle Rudolph and Kenny Golladay last season either. Nope. No, players that can stretch the field. Players with speed like Tony that can stretch the field. John Ross can stretch the field with his speed. Yeah, looking forward to it, put it that way. Say again, Shane? We've still got our old line break down today, haven't we? Yeah, that's coming up next after running backs and offensive line sneak preview. (laughs) That's going to be Shane's favourite, isn't it? Offensive line. Oh, I joke, I joke, I joke. Um, so moving on to tight ends, tight ends then. So the all-rounders on offense, as we all know, can run block, can pass protect, and also get downfield and move the chains as well. Um, currently have seven tight ends on the roster, not including obviously Kelvin Benjamin because he's technically a receiver still. Um, Evan Engram, I mean, I'm Nakia Griffin Stewart. I'm guessing his name is Carl Hikatini, Rice and John, Carl Rudolph, Caden Smith, and Levine. Toilolo. That's a good name, isn't it? I like that name. Um, do you think Calvin Benjamin's going to get a shot at tight end? I think he's not. I'd like him to. <laughs> Any, anyone's got to be better than the double E, Evan Ingram. <laughs> That's strong. I don't, think, I don't think he's going to get a shot because if, if you look at the numbers, I'm not entirely sure. Because I always already think Caden Smith is kind of like, they're struggling to find like games or, or, or you know put receptions in the way of Caden Smith. So whether they're going to bring anybody else in, I don't know. I wouldn't have thought so. Yeah, no. I think I think um, like like just giving too much into into the tight end discussion. But like I think Ingram, Rudolph, Smith, Toilolo, I think are the four tight ends they, they would carry this year. Yeah. Um, I think. Um, John Ryson, I think, is a great prospect from Canada. He was a, a, he was a wide receiver at university in Canada, played Canadian football. Um, Kim Down, he's only 23. He was a rookie undrafted free agent last year. I think he's one for the practice squad this year. Uh, he's 6'7". I think he's got great He's a big lad, isn't he? Potential. Um, and, uh, yeah, exactly. And um, Hikatini and uh, Griffin Shirt. I think a great depth piece uh, and great. Uh, sorry, not depth pieces, but like good camp bodies um, to, to 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 get good reps with. Um, and talk about Benjamin. Benjamin is not a tight end. No way that fella can play wide receiver at the moment. Um, he's, he's changed his body. He's got the body of a tight end. He was always a decent blocker, even at um, FS. He can block. He's he's got next to Steve Gettleman and one of his first former uh, first former first round picks. A solid. Getting him in practice. Getting him in shape, getting um, preseason game film for other teams, so that maybe he can latch onto another team when he's cut. Yeah, I think that's that's ben, all Benjamin's going to be here for is to get him in shape and get him to the point where we can cut him and he can then get onto another team. Um, he's, he's he's not going to make he's not going to make the roster as a tight end. He's certainly not going to make it as a receiver in the shape he is. You know, not, he, he looks in good shape, but he's he's bulked out a bit. He's he's a bit heavier than he used to be, 
So he, he won't make it as a receiver at that, that size. No, it's like 245 now, isn't he, or something? Yeah. Yeah, he's a big, he's a big dude. I'd agree right. with the assessment that, 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 that Smith, Rudolph, Ingram and Tololo, they have to be the, the four. Um, and I'll circle back to the point I made earlier about, you know, you are what your record says you are. You know, Carl Rudolph played 12 games last season. The previous five years, he played all 16 games. So until someone shows me otherwise, I'm just putting last year down to he was injured. It was an aberration. It's a weird season. You know, he's shown to be durable. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's definitely like... First injury of his like, career. Yeah, exactly. He's only 31 at the start of um, this season. <clears throat> he's only 31. And like receiver, as the receivers hit their 30s, their speed declines. Um, they rely on their speed. Um, so they start to tail off a bit. But that doesn't really happen with um, this type of tight end Carl Rudolph is. Look at you, like your Jason Wittens, your Antonio Gates, your like some of the other tight ends that play very, very well into their mid thirties because he doesn't rely on speed. Because he's such a clever player, um, he's able to to shift people in man with little nudges at the at his breaks and then in zone. He's able to pick the right sort of depth and stuff for his zones to stay away from defenders. So because of those type of smarts, um, I think you know. The fact that he is getting on a bit, it's not so much about him losing speed. Um, so I, you know, I think he's still got a, another couple of good years in him. I think for me as well, I'd, I'd like to see the likes of Smith and Tololo actually used. You know, I just had a quick look. Smith last year, eight, 18 receptions on 21 targets, 112 yards, no touchdowns. Tololo just five catches on six targets for 46 yards, no touchdowns. They are two players who I was quite intrigued to see last year uh, especially Caden Smith I thought you know these are two guys I think we we paid a decent price for Toy Lolo as well not an expensive price but the kind of money where you you think he'd have been a lot more involved than five catches over the entire season um, so I'm hoping that they aim to use both of them players in, in this upcoming year because I think they've both got talent there that's just not being used and just being wasted at the minute Caden Smith worries me slightly, I have to say, Shane. Um, if you look the last year of the Shermer regime, I think I'm going to the same numbers you are. Um, he had nine games and 31 receptions, a target of 31 times. Um, last season, 15 games, only targeted 18 times. Um, and no, no touchdowns, whereas in 19, he had three touchdowns. It, it worries me, I think, that the current coaching regime yeah, they're happy to put him on the field, but they're not going to make as much use of him. Yeah, see, I like yeah. Kitten Smith a lot. Going back to his, like uh, that you were talking about, sorry, Shane. Um, yeah. um, I think he's could be um, a, a, the type of player that Carl Rudolph is, and I think having Carl Rudolph in the building will be great a great benefit to someone like Kitten Smith. Um, like Kitten Smith was a good player at Stanford. You know, he got drafted in the sixth round by the 49ers um, two years ago. He's, we've gone for another two seasons. I would love to see him used a lot more this year. And I don't know why. What happened last year? Why was he not trusted? Or, or I don't know why. But I think, given the right sort of uh, career progression, the right sort of like bringing him along, I think he could turn out to be a very, very solid tight end for us. I hope so. Because I mean, Rudolph, Rudolph, I think can still be great, but. He's not got, you know, the, the end is closer than, than, than the beginning at this point, very obviously. So we, we do need a, a progression plan. We do need a succession plan, rather. Um, who's going to take, who's going to follow along behind him? 
Yeah, but I think I think Carl Rudolph can have a huge impact on this team this season. Yeah. I think if 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 Engram isn't play, if it is he's he's not playing as good as he should be. If he's making those drops, if he's you know doing what Evan Engram usually does, I think Rudolph can can potentially come in and have a huge impact. And as you know, if 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 Engram isn't playing how he should be, then hopefully yeah, you know Caden Caden Smith and Toilolo can get that chance. Say actually, you know what, Engram, see you later, mate. We we want we want our chance. Give us our chance, coach. Um, obviously last year, yeah, we had seven tight ends on the roster at one point last year. Um, so you never know; they could be more than I think. Those four are pretty much a shoe in, like we said. But the other three could get could get a chance. It'd be good to see how they're doing camp and uh, in preseason. Engram's the most interesting one for me. I think probably for all of us, for all for all Giants fans, you know what you're going to get with Carl Rudolph. I mean, that's one of the that's one of the bonuses. He's just he's like clockwork. Um, Solid. That's all we need, isn't it? Yeah, but but Engram, we keep we say it every year, but this really is the year that he needs to kind of turn into the player that that we all thought he could be. Because otherwise, yeah, he will be hitting the bricks at the end of the season, and he'll be out. Um, I'm not. I'm. I'm not overly worried about the fitness thing. I mean, he's. He's. If we look at his record, fifteen games, eleven games, eight games, sixteen games. So yeah, he, he's made double digit games in three of the last four seasons, or, or all his four seasons. But what concerns me last season, he was. He was targeted. If I'm reading this right, sixty three times last season, and there's one touchdown. That's just not good enough for your number one tight end. Straight and simple. No. I mean, I'd love to see. As you said, I'd love to sit down with him and say to him, "What's going through your mind when the ball comes at you?" Because half the time, I don't. Know, is it a concentration thing? Because the tips that he has, and like, it's like it's kind of like Daniel Jones says to him in the huddle, "The ball's coming your way," and he's looking around, going, "Oh, look, it's an empty stadium this season." And then the ball comes at him, and he's like, "Oh, bloody hell, the ball!" Like he just, I don't know if it's a concentration thing. Mate, I've, you know that's, a, that's a bloody great question. What is actually going through his mind when he sees the ball coming at him? Yeah, there are sportsmen, of course, in every sport who just freeze under the under the big lights. You can train great all week. You can catch 150 balls without dropping a single one all week in training. But when the cameras are on and when the fans are in the stadium, there's just players who just can't do it. You know, I mean, that's part. It's part of being an elite sportsman. Uh, or sports women, but some year, people yeah. just yeah, it might just be it might just be nerves. I mean, I sometimes wonder whether it's he's not he's like Daniel Jones is going through his reads and and, and Engram is maybe not expecting it. So I don't think he I don't think he looks. I don't think he's often quite aware of the game as he doesn't seem to look behind him enough to see where the ball's coming from, and he's not very good at grabbing it out of the air or grabbing it over his back shoulder. Um, he often lets it bounce off his chest plate or it just goes off his tips of his fingers like he sees it a millisecond before it arrives. So, I mean, is that he's just not he's just not presuming that it's coming in his way? I don't know whether, like, you know, she makes a good point, like, and I, I'd love to, like, say to him, like, I'd love to know, sorry, if the drops, the obvious drops he's had, if those plays were de- designed to go to him or whether he was the second, third or fourth read on those plays. So is it a case of, Hold on, shit! The, I know the ball's coming to me. I know the ball's coming to me. I know the ball's coming to me. Panic drop, or is this of um, and then and then the other times it's like third. Oh, the ball's coming to me. React, just react and catch, or is it the other way around? Is it um, 
the ball's coming to me, the ball's coming to me, catch it, or third, fourth read, oh shit, the ball's coming to me. You know what I mean? I'd love to know what what the ratio to those um, to those passes would be. Yeah, it'd be interesting to sit down and ask him. Um, well, obviously, we're never going to get the chance. <laughs> yeah, I think, like you, like you said, one one touchdown from sixty three catches or sixty three targets, whichever it was, that production is just not good enough at all. Um, and I really do hope that that improves, but. Obviously, the amount the, the amount of drops that he had and everything like that. Do you think Daniel Jones actually trusts that he can do the job? I mean, well, I do sometimes wonder whether 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 Kyle Rudolph is going to become his number one target. And then remember, Eli always used to go to Kevin Boss. You know that that was that was his out. And uh, exactly, yeah. So I I just wonder if you're Daniel Jones and you're getting pressure in your face. It's like, yeah, I'm I'm sending it Kyle Rudolph's way because no matter what it is, he's going to catch it. But that's what you need in a tight end. You need that solid, actually, you know, even if it's a, a, a sort of, you dump off, you know, two, three, four yard gain, you know, move that, move those chains on second or third down, you know, second and short, third and short. If you just dump it off to a tight end, that's what you need. I mean, look, just playing, just playing a situational moment for a second. Imagine, imagine you're Daniel Jones and it's a game winning drive. You took us today in the field. It's against, Dallas, it's in the playoffs, it's in the Super Bowl potentially. You, the ball snaps, you catch it, you're under pressure, you look, Engram's the only guy open. Are you throwing it thinking, sound, I know Engram's going to catch this? Or are you thinking, oh, here we go? I'm, I'm, I'm just going to run instead. What, what would, if, if you're in them, it's me, I'm running. I'm, I ain't throwing it from, to Engram. From, from what Evan Engram has produced so far in his career with the New York Giants, I'm running it. Yeah, and that's all you can go on. I don't trust that he can make that play every time. Nah. You know, I, it, there might be the occasion where I think, actually, he's got more chance of scoring than I have, so I'm going to throw it his way. But then, uh, is he going to catch it? Who knows? So then if that's, that's true, he, he's, he's done with the team, isn't he? I mean, if, if what you're saying is true, and I can see it going through, I can see it being true... If, if Daniel Jones will not throw him the ball because he's not confident he's going to catch it, I mean, that's the end of his, his career with the Giants, essentially, isn't it? Yeah, it has to be. But I think Joe Judge, Joe Judge seems to really, really like him. Um, he does. Like, any time he talks about him, he beams and he, and he, like, oversells him. And, you know, you obviously saw when they lost a bet regarding Mississippi State and Ole Miss last year and all the uh, Joe Judge had to wear the old bucket hat and stuff. Um <laughs> So there's real, I mean, real, there's real fondness there, um, yeah. but surely production has to outweigh that in the end. Absolutely, I hope he, I hope he goes out and proves his doubt was wrong and has a, yeah, has. So do I. He doesn't need to have the the best season of any tight end in the league. He just has to have a solid season where he makes catches and doesn't drop the ball and and scores a few touchdowns and you know is a target in the red zone for Daniel Jones. He just needs, it's, I was going to say, he just needs to be consistent. Yeah. That, that's all I want of him. I don't need, I'd like to say, I don't need to be spectacular. I don't need to be tight end one. I don't need to be tight end one in fancy. Just be consistent. Just catch the ball when it's your way. Get that first day and keep the chains moving. And that, I mean, again, that, having having Carl Rudolph in the room, that might really help. You know, because that's like having a coach on the field. I mean, yeah, we've, we've said that before. Hopefully it does sort of kick him up the backside and, and really sort of help to improve his game. Um, Kev, what were you going to say? No, I was just going to say, like, you know, <clears throat> alluding to what Shane was talking about, whether, you know, he just needs to be consistent. Like, 
make make the catch on the third down play. Do you know what I mean? You know, score the touchdown when the ball comes your way and it's catchable. Um, don't be the player that people perceive to have cost us the game. Do you know what I mean? Just be that steady Eddie. Just, you know, take your catches when they're there. If you can't catch it, uncatchable ball, fair enough. But yeah, just don't, you know, cost us games. Be- become the safety blanket. That's what we need. Mm. Be Kevin we- Boss. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, be a Kevin Boss. No, nothing wrong with that. Um, so, how much playing time do you think Carl Rudolph's going to see? And do you think he's going to be ready for opening weekend? I mean, he says he is. He's, he said yesterday or, or the day before that he doesn't expect to miss a single game. I mean, that's that's kind of a tempting fate quite a lot, really, isn't it? And it breaks his leg in the first game. But um, he says he's going to be fit and ready and he's going to intend to play every game. Good. Cool. Which, yeah, apart from last season, he's proven he can do. You know, for the last five years before that, he played all sixteen games. Yeah, exactly. Like he, he, he's confident. The Giants are confident. Well, Giants must be confident because they went ahead and given the contract that um, they agreed upon. Even when they found out when his medical with this um, the small injury, they needed surgery for. Um, so yeah, he's you know. He, uh, he's all good to go more, week I one. I think more made of that injury than was actually was reality. I think that was my impression. Yeah. More more was made of it than than needed to be. Yeah, but I, I like... as with everything in the NFL, you you know yourself like anything in the league, kind of gets blown up a wee bit, becomes newsworthy. Yeah, and I think obviously with it being in New York, the media in New York, the beat writers in New York are just like hyenas, aren't they? They'll pick apart everything. Um, but I like the way Carl Rudolph settled into the team. I saw, I saw, I think it was a post on, I want to say Twitter maybe last week, um, of, of him out in in and around New Jersey doing um, charity events and things for Giants organisations and Giants sponsors and things like that. So I like the way he settled in and sort of really sort of got into the team and and settled into the sort of the local area as well. I think he's he's making a good impression. Um, in the picture of him and his other half and their kids all in, in Giants jerseys is quite cool as well. Um, so yeah, I like that. He's I like definitely that. bought in, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think, the head, again, the whole culture we talked about, I think that was a big thing for Carl Rudolph as well. I think the other thing for me as well this year with tight ends is, and you, you three will know this 10 times better than what I do, but I noticed it in like the three years, four years I've been following the Giants. <clears throat> Excuse me. Jason Garrett use tight ends against the Giants ridiculously when we used to play them. I just want to see that this year. Like, use the tight ends the way you used to use them against us. And how many, you know, that's just talking over the last few years, you guys have been following like 10 plus years, so you can probably allude to that a little bit more than what I can. But I just want to see us use the tight ends this year because last year, with Engram not really performing and not using any other tight end at all, you know, I just want to see us target the tight end this year a little bit more. Yeah, just one one player I used to hate see scoring against us was Jason Witten. But he was such yeah, a you're right. And he scored against us so many times. But he was such he was just such a good, solid, dependable tight end for Tony Romo and for Dak Prescott. Um, and you know, the, the most annoying part as well is that he's such a nice person. He's yeah. a really hard person to hate. He's like he's a really good player. He's a modest, quietly spoken guy. So I really don't want to hate this guy, but I literally hate and fear him every time he steps on the field because I know he's going to walk through our secondary like there were a row of traffic cones. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Like you know, like like Shane says, I just want um, 
other teams, other fans of other teams to turn around on Monday morning and just say Rudolph or insert Giants tight end name here killed us last night. They just seem to find him open all the time. Like we couldn't stop him. Do you know I mean, yeah. I, I want to hear that from other fans. Um, yeah. Walter Payton Man of the Year, was it 2012? So that just goes to show what a genuine guy Jason Witten was, but I used to hate watch hate hate watching him against us because he always scored against us. <laughs> and he was so slow <laughs> but yeah. always open. He was always open and he did the job for for like I said for Romo and Prescott and he, he scored numerous touchdowns against us and it was always a case of oh god why can someone not pick this guy up <laughs> love it. always been one of my favourite positions so I always love I always love tight ends you know it goes back to Mark Bavaro to me so you know I always love those kind of those those security blanket guys that are just going to pound their way down the field knock out a few guys flat on their bums and you know get you move the chains yeah like I said they're the, they're the all rounders of the team aren't they they can pass block they can catch a ball. They can move the chains. You know, it's just just sort of on a on a tangent, very slightly. Did anyone see Greg Olson's comment the other day about we've got to block like an Oloi and we've got to run the same routes as a wide receiver? Yeah, we get paid a lot, lot, lot less than what them two positions do. <laughs> and it was like, you know, so you got a valid point there. Very fair okay. point. Isn't it? Again, mm. just to touch on that as well, like uh, Greg Olson along with. Um... Oh, who was the other one? Maybe Witten, but like a couple of retired tight ends have started that tight end university. Yeah. And it was good oh, to see. Oh, that be good. Yeah, so basically it's like a, it's a camp for NFL tight ends, uh, for, for, for ex-players, current players, um, to basically, you know, yeah, teach each other, you know, go through things, train, go through on the whiteboards and stuff like that. Um, basically just for tight ends to get better. And um uh, apart from Rudolph, who's rehab, and everyone else is there in the Giants, like the three main ones. Oh, the, uh, yeah, because I've, I've seen some photos and some comments from that, including Engram. Yeah, so I mean, uh, okay, well, I mean, maybe we'll see a, an uptick in tight end performance across the entire league. Yeah, it's being hosted by Travis Kelsey, George Kittle, and Greg Olson. Well, you know, Britain didn't really Kelly. get any better, could it? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm just I'm looking forward to seeing what Carl Rudolph can do for us. Um it goes without saying he's had, he's been so he's been successful in Minnesota. Um and I'm hoping that he will be successful with us as well. Um, I'm hoping it'll be a successful partnership with, with Evan Engram. You know, Robin's are his Batman. Yeah. You know, this might be the, the, the thing that, that, that Engram's actually needed. Yeah. Maybe I mean, not to be the number one tight end. Maybe take the pressure off him a bit so he's kind of the number two tight end. Yeah, yeah like we said in the past as well, like, you know, bring both of them on at the same time, like line them up next to each mm. other or, or both on the end of the, the end of the lines um, and then split Ingram out, like, or split them both out, send Ingram out into the slot, send them out into the Z position, the, the X, um, X position as well, like, you know, mix things up. Yeah, obviously, like I said, the question mark remains over Evan Ingram, but I, I hope he can bounce back from a disappointing year. I, he knows he had a disappointing year. You can you can tell just by the way he's sort of uh, he's, he's come into camp and he's working hard. You can tell he's working hard. You can see he's working hard. He knows he's well, literally year. now or never. Exactly, exactly. So hopefully he bounces back from disappointing year. Um, anything else? Just, just, what, I was just going to say, what do we all think? Just yes or no? Does he get an extension? Engram. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I think he will. 
I, I think he will. I don't think he'll perform to deserve it, but I think he will get one. Yeah, I think. I, I think. think I think he'll be better. Judge likes to be smart with the money next year. Yes. More more cap space next year. But yeah, Judge loves him, so I think he'll he'll get an extension. Um, but let's hope he can improve. He can sort of improve on what he did last year. Anything else, right, guys, on wide receivers or tight ends? Anywhere else you want to go? No, I don't. Nothing for me. Cool. So there you have it. So I break down on receivers and tight ends. Um, let us know what you think. Whether you agree or disagree, get in touch with us via Twitter at Big Blue UK IRL or on the New York Giants UK Facebook group uh, which leads us nicely to Keith hello Keith Welcome. hello um, any plans it's in great the pipeline to be back yeah, it's good to have you back mate it really is um, any plans in the pipeline for a meet up during the season now that Covid restrictions are being eased um, yes we, we're going to meet up during the season I mean I know Kip's going to play a key part in that anyway obviously I mean it's, it's, it's you guys are no strangers to the group you, you know you're, you're, you're key parts of it so, yeah, I mean, I think the Hippodrome Casino has become our sort of base camp for our meetups. Um, you know, once once we get back, once COVID restrictions are lifted on a Saturday night when the games are being played in the Hippodrome, I think that's a perfect place, um, you know, for fans of every team congregates in there. Um, we've had fantastic nights in there. And sometimes we've even gone, got the game to be shown on the giant um, cinema screen as opposed to just on the TV. Um, we obviously also need to think about, you know, with the London games coming back, um, you know, put, putting a kind of a, a, a day together for one of those games where we can all meet up and spend the whole day together. I know we've done that in the past. We've been 10 or 15 of us just just all spend the whole of that, that um, the whole of that day together. Um, so, yeah, those two things at the moment. I mean, every, every, obviously everything is still completely in flux, um, but... Yeah, I mean, I certainly think once once restrictions are lifted and NFL games are back in the Hippodrome and the Hippodrome is uh, is able to welcome people that have been you know properly vaccinated and everything, then that's going to be kind of the, the first place that we'll congregate. Yeah, I look forward to it. Yeah, def- just to touch on that, um, I think once we know, like he says, once we know the lay of the land, once we know like we're we're, we're able to start putting things in motion. Uh, just to touch on the the, the Wembley game, um, the London game as well. Um, I think it's the game the seventeenth. I'm not hundred percent sure. I think they um, the game's at like two o'clock kickoff, I believe. But then we have the sorry, tenth and the seventeenth, the two games, isn't it? Yeah. So I think, but I think it's the seventeenth one. Um, I'll double check. But that basically the games are like two o'clock afternoon. But then um, it was Giants Cowboys at nine twenty five. Now, there's a very, very high chance that that will be the Sky Sports main game that night. So um, so that would be a perfect opportunity for, for a real get-together because you know that the Sky Sports games will be on the big screens. Mm. Okay, that sounds like a great idea. Right, let's workshop well, that, Kev. Will do. Um, it is the 10th. Giants-Cowboys 9.25. Week five, and then week six is Rams, um, which is obviously the the tenth anniversary celebration um, at, the, at half time. So you never know; they might both be on Sky. Mm. Yeah, Especially if we're good. five. Imagine if we're five, and I. That would <laughs> be really good. 
Um, no, I look forward to that. That'll be uh, that'll be good fun. Um, obviously, we've discussed about London games before this year. Um, hopefully, going to try and make at least one of them. Uh, but I can't haven't confirmed anything yet. And obviously, they're they're not too far away. They're only three months away, so we really sort of need to get a a move on if we're going to confirm any of those games. But yeah, the Giants Cowboys Week Five sounds like a good bet. Just keep up to date. I'm, yeah, I'd encourage everyone to keep up to date. Facebook.com slash group slash NY Giants Fans UK and on Twitter, NY Giants Fans UK. Um, you know, that's, 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 yep. That's where we're, um, that's where we'll keep everyone up to date with what's, well, what's going on. Yeah. Well, I, I just want to add as well, like, you, I was just going to add, sorry, like, if anyone's listening to this and hasn't met up before, I've never met anyone before either so like if anyone's listening to this and thinking oh, I, I don't know anyone I've not been before like you're not going to be on your own so just rock up doesn't matter who you are as long as you're wearing blue mate we'll talk to you yeah 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 as long as you're in blue we'll talk to you um now obviously last time Andy put the first team in the hat for me to choose a college team so I've so far I've got Florida I've got Miami and I've got Georgia to choose from so Keith, do you do you follow a team? Do you follow a college team? I do not. No. Okay. But so, I've done some research and I've decided that I found the perfect one. Ooh, the perfect one. Yeah, the perfect one. Oh, I like it. Tell me more. Well, so uh, okay, so here we go. <laughs> My suggestion for the team that we should follow is the Rutgers Scarlet Knights. Rutgers. Ooh, interesting. Yep. So that's that's very close to MetLife. It's it's in New Jersey, mm-hmm. um, but the reason specifically why I mention it is not just a geographical um, closeness to the Giants themselves. The Giants, we know, are one of the one of the things that we love about the Giants is the history, is the tradition, is the fact that that you know. 1925 you know that with no cheerleaders if we, we play in wood panel uniforms if we could we're kind of very old-fashioned solid kind of franchise i mean i wouldn't complain if we had cheerleaders though no but we never will have and even if we did they 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 wear like like you know kind of just um, wood paneled uniforms yeah. um the reasons why i mentioned rutgers is not just geographical location but also because this is literally where college football began 1869, Rutgers versus Princeton. Um, the first game of yeah, of what we would call American football. Even by then, the rules hadn't been properly um, put down. They, they were still kind of... It was kind of a game of rugby more than anything else. But Rutgers won in 1869. It is the birthplace of college football. Um yeah, so so I mean, have a look at the Wikipedia page, but this is literally—I don't think—for a Giants fan, there is nobody better to follow. It's really close to the stadium. It is literally the birthplace of college football. That's not an exaggeration. I am prone to exaggeration. This is not an exaggeration. It is literally where college football was born, and so that's my suggestion. I like that, Keith. Thanks very much. Um, the birthplace of football, eh? The birthplace of college football. Yep. Yeah. I, I, I like that one as well because that—that's a. That's a Big Ten rivalry with Penn State. Ooh. Yeah. And you can do both stadiums in the same day. Just quickly, just quickly, I have no any ways to Google stuff in front of me because the only thing that works in my house is a 3G phone 
but I am talking on to you guys. Can someone tell me what school Logan Ryan went to, please? Logan I think Ryan. he went to Rutgers, didn't he? I'm sure he went to Rutgers. Are you looking, Shane, or do you want me to look? Uh, have a quick look. He played college football at Rutgers. <laughs> okay, so are we are we starting to? Ooh. Is this starting <laughs> to work out for you now? Interesting. Yeah, college Rutgers. Interesting. It's on the list. I can't say it's a definite yes for Rutgers, but it's a it's a it's a very good option. But they obviously breed. They breed men of strong character. Logan Ryan. Definitely. Definitely. Thanks for that, Keith. I really appreciate it. Maybe they could be your team as well. It may be, yeah. There you go. Um, that's all we have time for today. Um, we will be back next time. When that may be, we're not too sure. Hopefully next week. Um, but we will be back next time to talk all about our running backs and offensive line, as we alluded to earlier, um, to finish off our breakdown of the offense. Um, anything you guys would like to add before we go? Just that um, great, great chatting, uh, having Keith on. Thanks for coming on. Um, anyone listening, we all been well. Going to get Return of the Mailbox running soon. I have missed that, I will say. Um, and then also, if anyone's not been following our Jersey Countdown, give us likes and retweets, etc. We've had a few likes and retweets off former players, which is fantastic in my opinion. I've, I've loved some of the retweets we've had and the likes off the uh, ex-players, sort, sort of let you know you're doing the right thing and you're on the right trail, etc. So, yeah. Justin Tuck retweet? Yeah, Justin Tuck. Um, well, I'm trying to think who else we've... Yeah. I think we've had about four or five like and retweet, etc. So, you know, if there's a former player that we're doing a countdown for, we'll tag him in the tweet. And, um, yeah, some, some of the retweets are brilliant. Not had a follow yet, though. That's the next stage. Yeah. <laughs> That is the next stage. But yeah, we're keeping that countdown going up until we get to the 2021 season. It's a, it keeps us going, doesn't it? Gives us something to, yeah. gives us something to do. Um, Some interesting debates as well about which players to have. Yeah, it's very true. It's very true. Number, number, eight, number 80 was an interesting one the other day. It was, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you got me. You got me. That was a nice fishing rod moment, Shane. Well done. <laughs> Um, Keith, thanks for coming on today, mate. Really appreciate it. Um, it's, been, it's been a pleasure. It's been a great discussion, and obviously, no doubt, we'll get you back on at some point, um, either as we get closer to the season or once the season kicks off. Um, and you, no doubt, we'll all meet up at some point and have a, a, a few beers as we discuss and and watch a game. Um, so yeah, yeah, can't wait to see all the three of you in in real life. Absolutely, and you never know, we might do some live recording when we do meet up. Awesome. Yeah. Um. As usual, much thanks go to Shane and Kev. Um, and so and until next time, signing off. Go Giants! Giants.